What Was That Like? contains adult language and content and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to What Was That Like? I'm your host, Scott Johnson. This is a show where we talk to regular people, people just like you or just like me, who have found themselves in an extremely unusual situation. We'll hear their stories and get inside their head because we all want to know, what was that like? More information about each episode at whatwasthatlike.com. Here we go. This episode is a fun one for me. I'm an entrepreneur, so I love watching Shark Tank. If you're not familiar with the show, it's where some regular person who has the beginnings of a business comes on and pitches the idea to five investors called sharks, and the investors ask questions and decide if they want to become partners with that person and invest in their business. Some of the people who have gone on there have gotten deals and gone on to great success. Others have gotten no deal, but perhaps some constructive criticism and encouragement. And then there are others who have just gotten criticism. And of course, that's part of what makes it all entertaining. Here's some interesting facts about Shark Tank. Each season, they film batches of episodes together. All of the sharks come out to California for two weeks in June, and they see as many as 10 product pitches in each 10-hour day of filming. Then they come out again for two weeks in September and do the same thing. So out of all that, they get the 22 episodes for a season. In a recent season, there were 158 pitches filmed, but only 88 of them actually got on the air. The pitches average about 45 minutes, and then they get edited down to about 11 minutes each. And I was surprised to discover this. Many of the deals made on the show actually never happen. And really, that makes sense. The person might get their sales or cost numbers wrong or some other details that just don't add up. And that obviously can cause a change of mind for the investor. But my conversation today is with a young businessman named Max, and in his case, the investment in his business did happen. Max is a 19-year-old college student, and he's developed a cold brew coffee filter that he hopes will soon become a household product and introduce lots of people to the idea of cold brew coffee. And it turns out that Mark Cuban, who's one of the Sharks and also a billionaire investor who owns the Dallas Mavericks basketball team, also thought the product has potential, so he and Max are now partners in this venture. And I agree, it's a pretty clever idea. As you'll tell from our conversation, Max is a really bright kid, and he's got a tremendous future. I love talking with him, and really, I liked kind of getting the perspective of someone that's actually gone on that show, how he prepared for it, how he got the deal, and what's happened since then. It's one of those things that's kind of part exhilarating and part terrifying. If you want to watch the episode with Max, it's this current season, which is season 10, and he's on episode 9. On the show notes for this podcast episode, I'll have links to Max's website and all the other places you can connect with him. That's at whatwasthatlike.com forward slash 18. And you know, when I first started doing this podcast, I didn't even have an Instagram account. But now I have over 3,000 followers on Instagram, and that number just keeps going up. People just love what I post there every day. You can follow me there at what was that like? And now here's the fun conversation I had with Max. 
how long have you been watching Shark Tank? I've been watching Shark Tank since I was probably eight years old. So, you know, for the past 10, 11 years. Well, they're in the 10th season now, and I've been watching since the, you know, the first handful of seasons. So I've been watching for a very long time. Yeah, you were, your episode was in season 10, right? Yes. So we were in the 10th okay. season, which was, it's a great season. They're doing a lot this season about, um, you know, featuring stories of young entrepreneurs, because I think they're starting to realize that entrepreneurs are now growing up watching Shark Tank. And so they're starting, you know, it seems like they're starting to do a lot more on that end, which is very nice. That's good. That's great. Yeah, I like that. When did you first have the idea for this product? So look, when I was 15 years old, um, I, I just fell in love with coffee. Right. I, I got so inspired by it and I just started loving it. I'm not sure why, but I started making it myself, you know, using all different types of brewing methods. I tried pour overs, aero presses, everything you could think about to make coffee. And eventually I stumbled across cold brew coffee. And I said, this is something I haven't tried before. It wasn't sold at Starbucks. It wasn't sold at, can I say, it wasn't sold, you know, in any, in any large retailers. And I said, this is something that I really want to try because everything on the internet said, it was smoother, it was sweeter, it tasted better, and it was a totally different kind of coffee than I had ever had before. And so I, I go online and I type in how to make cold brew coffee on YouTube. And you know, I, I learned that people use mason jars to make it themselves at home all the time. And so that's exactly what I tried. Is I took a mason jar and I added ground coffee and cold water to it. And you know, you let that sit in your refrigerator for 24 hours. But then what happens is you have this sludgy coffee mixture in a jar that you can't drink because you have to filter it. And so everyone online said, oh, just take a cheesecloth or a paper towel and you know filter it. And that's what I tried. And remember, I'm 15 years old. So I tried filtering it. It made a mess, of course, because it's not a really good way to filter something. And my parents were so mad because I was just a kid and making a mess in the kitchen. They were not happy. And they said, like, you're never allowed to do this again. You need to stop making cold brew. I said, well, OK, there has to be a better way to do this. Because if this is going to be the next kind of coffee that everyone's going to love, why is everyone going to be using this horrible way to filter it? Like, there must be a better solution. And so I had this idea for a double-sided mason jar lid with a filter in the center. And so I thought that, you know, uh, I, I said that this must exist. That was my first in instinct was, oh, let me go buy this. I'll find this on Amazon. So I type in double-sided mason jar lid, Google it, go on Amazon. It does not exist. I can't find it anywhere. Um, and so I said, you know what, I'm going to make it because it doesn't, it's not in the market, so I'm going to make it. So I go into my garage and I grabbed a screen door and some mason jar lids and I, you know, glued together this first prototype, and it worked. And after, you know, after some trial and error, it started working. And so that's really how Brew was born. And I said, this is an amazing idea. It's helping me make better coffee. It must be making, you know, why can't this help everyone make better coffee? And so it's, um, you know, it's it's something that's stuck and it's that I've been continuing to work on for the past four and a half, almost five years. When you first made that first prototype and you got excited about it, and obviously I can tell just by listening to you, you are excited about this thing. Were you excited because, wow, I can now make cold brew coffee? Or were you excited because, wow, I've got a product here that could potentially make a lot of money because nobody else is doing it? I think it was a, part, uh, a piece of both. I don't think that I was only excited because I was like, oh my God, I just struck gold. I'm going to make a billion dollars because we definitely haven't. Um, we haven't made that much, you know, it's a good product and it's, you know, people are buying it, but we definitely haven't made millions and millions and millions of dollars yet. Hopefully that's down the road. But my first instinct was like, I want to help more people make better coffee. And I think that's, you know, going to a very macro level, I think that's what makes us really strong entrepreneurs. When you say like, when you don't have, you know, I want to make money, 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 money at the forefront of everything. And you're driven by passion and by wanting to help other people make better coffee and other people to understand your passion. 
I think it, you know, can just leads to a lot more success than saying, oh, I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm going to start a company. Because if that was the case, there's a lot of different ways we could have grown it. But I don't think that we would have built the community that we're building um, of people that enjoy using the brew and enjoy making cold brew at home. Right. And you wouldn't probably be quite as passionate about it either. Right, exactly. If it was just for money. Now, the, you, you called, you said the name of it is brew. That's B-R-U-W. How, what does that mean? So, um, truthfully, it's because brew.com and .net was taken, and I couldn't think of another uh, another website. So we're we're working on a cool backstory for the name, but as of right now, it's um, it's just like I was sitting around the kitchen table with me. It was me, my you know, I was fifteen, so it was me and my mom. Mm-hmm. I think my grandma was there, and my siblings were like, "We need a name for this. What should we call it?" And it was like originally going to be called Cough Me, like C O F F M E. That was the first name. And I thought I was like, oh, cough that's me. Bad. That's the best. Right. Everyone's like, no way. That's horrible. And then um, it was brood, B-R-U-W-D. So it was brood, which you can't really say without like, you know, it's. You got to spell it for everybody. Right. right? And, and then and, there, yeah. uh-huh. there was brood. There was all these other names. And so finally, someone at the table, it's either me or I don't remember who it was. But they're like, what about brew? And I was like, oh, that's a good name, but it must be taken. So I go online and I'm like, oh, it's available. And so we bought the website wow. in that meeting and, you know, the name stuck. It's pretty incredible that a four-letter domain name was still even available. It's a .net. So we don't have brew.com. Oh, okay. Um, we have bruw.net and we also have bruwcoffee.com. So those are both really good. Okay. Um, yeah, I was really lucky. Have you talked to the .com owner at all about getting that? They are not willing to sell it. Trust me, I've talked to them. Wow. Okay. Well, not yet. I mean, yet. anything's exactly. for sale for the right amount of money. Right? Exactly. Okay. Now, I'm personally, I have only been familiar with hot coffee, and my wife drinks iced coffee, and I wasn't really familiar with cold brew as a, as compared to iced coffee. Can you kind of describe? I've done a little research, so I now know. But can you describe for the listeners what the difference is? Totally. So, a cold brew coffee. So, let me go back to iced coffee. Iced coffee is you make coffee and you cool it down. And you pour it over ice, right? It's pretty self-explanatory. Everyone can pretty much figure out how to make it. Not too challenging. Cold brew, on the other hand, well, well so what happens is you get iced coffee, you just get, you know, coffee that's cold. You just, you know, get a cold tasting cup of coffee. So it's not that special. Cold brew, though, you actually brew with cold water. So the coffee grounds never touch heat. They never get hot. And you do it over a longer period of time. So because you're using cold water and because you're stretching out the process, the chemical reaction with the coffee and the wall between the coffee and the water is actually different. So you're not extracting the same amount of um, a same amount of acidity out of the coffee bean, and you're not extracting all the same elements that you would when you have a hot cup of coffee. So it ends up being more caffeinated and it tastes smoother and sweeter. So it doesn't taste as bitter and harsh as you know that same coffee would taste if you brewed it hot. It you know tastes actually completely different. And that's a big plus to a lot of people that like coffees. They said, well, I hate the bitterness. I have to add milk. I have to add cream. And when they drink cold brew, um, it's smoother. And they don't need to use the the most expensive coffee in the world to get something that's that's drinkable. It's something that, you know, they, it, it tastes good still if, it, if it's made cold. And I think that's what people like a lot. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy that's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. 
One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV. And her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you, because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef-level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what, or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what, or going to cookunity.com slash what. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read, and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up, and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan, because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut. With Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic, go to seed.com slash what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what, code 25what. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And then because of the lower acidity, certain doctors will recommend it for patients who have, um, you know, have digestional issues because it's easier on their uh, diet. You know, there's total, uh, a whole array of benefits to it, but it, it, it is different. I mean, the, the main one is that it tastes different and it tastes better. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying it. I haven't, I haven't yet had cold brewed coffee. Uh, I ordered your uh, filter. It just hasn't arrived yet, right? But I know you've uh, you're a little back ordered a, a little bit, right? A little bit. It's on the way. So it's um, everything shipping out. Well, by the time this is up airing, it should probably be shipping out already. So right, I'm sure. Yeah, no, but it was crazy. We got all these orders the night we aired on Shark Tank, and 
wasn't expected. I mean, we were expecting an influx of orders. We didn't really know how much. And we just got slammed. And we said, this is great. And then we also said, like, okay, we need to meet this demand. We need to figure it out. And it was um, it was definitely challenging to do it. But, you know, we're, we're slowly we're slowly getting there. Let's go into the show. You decided to be on Shark Tank. Now, I know you can, to get on the show, you can apply either online or at an open call. How did you do it? So, yeah. So, you can apply either online or at an open casting call. Both of them are pretty similar. There, you know, one, you just go and speak in person in front of judges, and the other one, you submit a video of yourself. And either way, you get in front of this, I, I believe you get in front of the same casting team, um, and they review you, and they pick, I mean, they pick the, the best entrepreneurs they see. Because what, they get 40, I think this season, they got 44,000 applicants. And so it's, I mean, it's competitive to get on the show and everyone, because of how successful the show is, everyone's trying to get on it. But and it definitely is a process to get, um, to apply and to get approved. I think the stati- the statistics are astounding. I think this season, season 10, what they published is that 44,000 people applied to be on the show. 158 of those people made it to LA to actually film a segment. But then 88 of those people made it to TV. So like 158 film and 88 people made it to TV. So about half the people that filmed got cut. Um, and so you can you can go to LA, go to the stage, you can pitch to sharks, film your episode, and then just get cut off and not actually have or have it come to fruition. That would be pretty disappointing. <laughs> so tell me about it. So that's what my bit like personally. That's what I was worried about. Is I you know we filmed in the summer, and, and I said like oh my god, am I going to be on TV? I mean, am I gonna, you have no I we had no idea what was going to happen. And so that's what I was concerned about. It's like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, you know. But um, then we got the uh, we got the news that we were going to be on in January, and it was very relieving. <laughs> Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. So that's one thing is I wanted to ask you about from the time you, from the time you got accepted to come out to the, when you actually filmed the show, how much time went by? Right. So it's a long process. I mean, they're taking applications now for next season, right? So like, what is it? It's January. And so they're already saying we want to, they're already doing casting calls and taking applications. So it's, you know, that's for season 11 and they haven't even finished filming season 10 yet or not, not filming. They haven't finished airing season 10 yet. So you can imagine it's um it's a long road to get there. Right, yeah. So you are your show actually is season ten, which is w- which we're in right now, episode nine, mm-hmm. and that went on the air on January the sixth, twenty nineteen. So just a few weeks ago, when and you, when did you actually record that episode? That was over the summer. They so okay, Shark so Tank, it's like so Shark Tank films the entire season in two segments. They do one in uh, a week in June and a week in September. Um, I, th- I believe that's what they publish. So. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a crazy, so you filmed in June and it went, uh, it got on the air in January. So it's like six months, roughly. Mm-hmm. How many times did you practice that pitch? Oh my gosh. I can't even tell you. I thought I thought a lot, right? A lot because, you know, I had the pitch written. I decided this is what I'm going to say to the sharks. And I, you know, would literally be in the mirror going, hi sharks. My name is Max Fieber from, you know, I'm 15 or not. I'm 18 years old. Right. So I would just go through it. Um, and I did it hundreds of times. I mean, I, I, there's a folder on my computer of me doing, I did it instead of doing it in the mirror, I did it in front of my webcam, um, or my Mac. So I could see, you know, cause so I could do it then play it back and say, oh, I'm going to tweak this. I'm going to say it slower. So I could actually, you know, evolve it. And so by the time I got to TV, it was pretty public, you know, it was pretty polished. Um, right. Yeah. Cause you want it to be second nature. You don't have to be thinking to try to remember your lines or right. something. How nervous were you walking down that hallway? I mean, what were you thinking? So it was, I, oh my gosh, it was the craziest experience because the doors open 
and in your, in my head is you know the the music bop 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 bop. So I they don't actually play it when you're recording with them, but in my head is the music was going, and I was walking down. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is finally happening. And then all of a sudden, I see the the five sharks sitting in front of me, and I was like, wow, just it, it hit me a little bit that I'd finally made it into the room that I had been always watching. And it didn't like, yeah, I filmed for a lot of TV shows. I, I filmed for TV shows before, not Shark Tank specifically. And when you're there, you're like, oh, this is I can't believe this is how it looks on TV. Like, it feels like you realize you're on a set or it doesn't look real. But like when you're on the Shark Tank set, especially when I was there, I I, it, I just completely felt natural in that room. Right? I was standing on the carpet in front of the sharks. And I, you know, I was like, oh, I have imagined what this feels like forever. And it didn't feel like I was in a foreign environment, it felt like I was walking into the TV that I'd been watching forever. And I think that that's, um, because the set doesn't really change other than the, the, the product being shown, it's it's pretty much the same. And it's also like, it didn't feel like it was fake. It felt like I was truly walking into what I had been watching forever. It felt like stepping into, you know, just, it was like very nostalgic. It was a great experience. Did you want a particular shark to give you a deal going in? You know, I, I really liked all of them, and I really respect all the sharks. I didn't have anyone specifically that I, I said, oh, I want Mark Cuban. I mean, I love Mark Cuban. I did want Mark Cuban going in. But if, you know, he didn't give me a deal and Robert had given me a deal, I would have been like, oh, no. Like, I wouldn't have been – it wouldn't have been the end of the world because I do respect them all so highly um, or so much. But, you know, I, I like all of them, but I, I wanted Mark. I had my eye on Mark. And I had my eye on Lori, but she didn't, you know, end up giving me the offer. So the sharks you presented to were pretty much the, the the standard list. It was Mark, Damon, Kevin, Lori, and Robert. And now your proposal going in was you wanted uh, you wanted fifty k, fifty thousand dollars for twenty five percent of your company. Yes. You did the product demo and it looked super smooth. I mean, I could tell when I watched it that you had obviously practiced that a lot, and so I mean, obviously that that paid off. Now. Kevin joked more than once that, wow, Max is really kind of amped up on the product. He's taking a lot of coffee. Yeah. Was that actually the case? No. So um, that was actually one of the few mornings that I didn't drink any coffee. (laughs) Um, So I was, I mean, I was just very nervous and very, I was nervous and excited. And the combination led me to be very just energetic. And I mean, I'm normally a very energetic person. And so it let me like be very articulate, but also very energetic. And I think they, um, they liked it. Yeah. I think that came across very, you know, uh, very positive. And I can tell, I mean, just talking to you now, obviously you talk fast, you think fast and you know, that's just, that's just the way you are. Exactly. Was there any question that you were afraid they were going to ask? No, I was, I mean, I was pretty much prepared for anything they could have thrown at me. I had been reviewing, I mean, I didn't necessarily review my numbers just because I know the number. Like, I, be working in a business so regularly and so every day, you kind of learn everything about it and you know everything about it, like, you know, very naturally. And so I didn't have to prepare too much. I just had to recalculate the cost of, you know, I just had to make sure we had actual numbers for what our product cost and what it, you know, stuff like that. But I wasn't really nervous for anything because I think in general, running Brew and running a company, I try to maintain a very healthy company. And I try to run a company that's morally strong and also find it, you know, very financially healthy. So we didn't have any debt. We didn't have any, um, we didn't really have anything too crazy that they saw. Like, it's not like they could have gotten my secrets out of me because we didn't really have anything to hide. I pretty much left it all on the table with them. 
And you've already, you got your patent just before you that filmed was crazy. a few days, right? No, I mean, that was true. We really had gotten, we had gotten the patent really like three or four days before we were, um, we were filming with them. That was great. Cause that's, that's one of the things they always ask. And, and they, of course they always ask what, you know, what does it cost you to make one of these? And you, you had all those answers, uh, ready to go. Well, look, I mean, I was just, what was I going to say? Like, I'm not going to say, I don't know. Like, I don't know the answer to how much it was going to cost. And I think that some people go into the tank and they say that like, Oh, I don't they know. Do. I don't know how much it costs to make. I don't. And those people should not be on shark. Like they shouldn't be asking for an investment. Because they have right. no. You wonder idea. how they even got. How did they get past the first like, screeners? Right. You know, who's, I mean, it's. I think I, I don't know the process for how they get. You know, how they apply. But why should they be taking an investment? Like they might not even know. They are not going to be able to manage that money properly if they don't know what their product costs. How they're. You know, they don't know the basics of their business, and they just mm-hmm. like I wouldn't trust them with my money, and I can't imagine how one of those billionaires in the room felt. Right. Because it's not like they just give their money out to anybody. Right. It's you like, know? you know, they're they're billionaires, but at the same time, it's like they're not like they're throwing their money away. Like when they give you $50,000 on Shark Tank, it's not like they're spending it. You know, it's not like they're buying a, a car. They're investing it in you because they think they'll make money back. And so right. um, people don't really, you know, people forget that a lot. They think, oh, they're just giving this kid money to give him money. Like they don't realize that, you know, Mark giving me $50,000 is Mark assuming that I'll be able to take that $50,000 and turn it into you know, $5 million, which hopefully we're going to be able to do. Right off the bat, Kevin offered you 50000 but for a 50% stake. Uh, you didn't seem too that excited about absurd. that. I couldn't believe it. Based on, that was just a stupid deal. I, can't, I didn't like it. I mean, I respect Look, I respect Kevin O'Leary a lot. I think he's a nice guy. I, from me being in the Shark Tank with him, I think he's a good investor, and I think he's um, a good person for the most part. But that was a bad, I, that was a stupid offer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know th- that seems like it's kind of his shtick. You know, I mean, he has to be. He calls Mister Wonderful, but it's like a sarcastic thing where you know he just comes out and he doesn't pull any punches. You know, he he said, you know, I don't. I remember what he said about your product. If he thought, well, obviously, if, if he was offering a deal, he must have thought it had potential. But hey, you know, what? I I actually it was I didn't like the deal because it, I didn't like the deal because it was too much equity for me, but. In all honesty, like he is probably one of the most shrewd investors there, and he's probably one of the fastest to say your idea sucks. Like, you know, get out of here! You have the worst company ever. And he didn't say that to me. He actually, you know, he respected me enough to understand that we were running a healthy company, and he believed in the product. Um, and I do really appreciate that because I think that's very rare coming out of Mister Wonderful. But he said, I mean, on an, on another one of the uh, presentations on that same episode, I think the line he used was, you know, you take you need to take this product out back behind the barn and shoot it right. because. <laughs> but I mean, but that's I mean, I think a lot of that is is for ratings because people want to see, you know, what what's he, what's Kevin going to say next, right? But you know what, I I think that I I don't know why why he does it. Um, I I don't know why why if they do it for ratings or not. I just know that. You know, getting an offer from Kevin O'Leary, he's probably one of the hardest sharks to get an offer from. Um, he's impossible to get a good offer from, but I mean, to get an offer at all from him is really rare. So I think that the fact yeah. that he, when he gave me the offer, I immediately was like, you know what? This is, um, it made me feel like this product's legitimate. They're going to like it because if he likes it, then everyone, nobody else, if like he doesn't have an issue with the financials, then nobody else is going to have an issue with the financials because for the most part, he's like, they, he's probably the most, I, out of all the sharks in the, in the tank, when you watch him, if he even notices a little bit of a, you know, a deviation from what's normal in the industry, he'll go, he'll, you know, he'll slam you over it. So, so you get that. And then Lori dropped out 
And then Damon offered 50K for 30%. So it's a little bit more equity than what you initially wanted. And then Robert dropped out. And then Mark Cuban said, okay, I'll give you 50,000 for 30%. And I want an immediate answer. Yes. Did you feel pressured or... I mean, obviously, that's part of the deal is they want to put pressure on you. You know, you, you we're going to give you this. You need to answer us now. I don't know. Damon gave me the offer. And the offer he gave me was like, look, I'd want to license it. You know, I, he was a little, he didn't seem to believe in me that much. Meanwhile, Mark's like, I, you remind me of me when I was a kid. You're a mini me. Like, I love you. I love this. And he gave me the same offer. And so, again, I really respect Damon John. I think he's a great entrepreneur. Um and he was the entrepreneur in residence at my college, Babson, for a little while. Um, but I think that, you know, Mark just seemed to have a little bit more belief in me um, than Damon did. And I think he was investing in the business, thinking it could make some money. And back to that, Mark was investing in me um, along with the business. Mm-hmm. And so I just really uh, appreciated that. And I thought it was, um, you know, I, I, and I, I respected him and I wanted to do a deal with him. In retrospect, I probably could have asked the two of them to go in together. Um, but I don't know if that would have ever materialized. Yeah. And so, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, since they were both offering the same deal, you know, for you to go with Mark, I guess it, it makes sense about, uh, about why you did that. Looking back on it now that the, you know, since the show has now gone live, would you have done anything differently? That's a good question. I don't think so. I think I pretty much, you know, I, I think we hit it spot on. Um, and I, I think the way they, I think the way the show rep, you know, sh- made me look um, I, I think it was good. I think they made me look really good and I really appreciated that. And I think they really portrayed the company very well. There's not much I would have you know, done differently. I could have asked other than asking Mark and Damon to maybe go in together, but otherwise, but that wouldn't have necessarily been a positive though. Right. Exactly. So I, I mean, look, I would have, I think I would have asked the question. I don't even know if I would have, I go back and forth between it. I think about it. Cause I'm like, well, Mark wanted me to commit immediately. Um, and I committed and I did. And I think that shows something to him about how committed I was to him and to his company and to his investments. And I, and the other, on the other end, I don't know what Damon could add to the company because I haven't really interacted with him. So, you know, it's, I go back and forth there, but I think, I don't think I would change anything. I think it went really well. They, they definitely reward decisiveness. Yes, I agree. After the show, did the deal actually happen? You got the 50K? Um, it did. So we're working with Mark, which is really, uh, which is really great. How often do you talk with Mark? You know, Mark's great. He, he answers the, he's a, he's a really good advisor. And I think I really appreciate it. Um, he's a really strong advisor and he, and I'll probably email him like once a week to ask him questions or to give him updates. And he always is responsive and, you know, works with me and gives great advice. Um, you know, which is awesome. It's really, he's really good to work with. He's a really good advisor and a really good mentor. How many people have direct access to Mark Cuban? Right. Seriously. (laughs) Oh my God. It's made me a celebrity in school and everywhere. They're like, Oh, can you ask Mark a question for me? Oh, let me ask, let me talk to Mark. Let me get Mark's phone number. I'm like, I can't. Oh yeah. Like you're going to abuse that privilege. I'm like, (laughs) Oh, it is just, you know, (laughs) it's great. It gets me into all the parties. Anytime I want to go to a party on campus, I'll be like, if you don't let me in, I'm going to call Mark. And they're like, okay, come on. (laughs) Not, Not that I actually will, but it's, um, it's been really cool. You know, seeing um, seeing people support me and like me um, and, and like the company, it's been really it's been really great. You mentioned that uh, just your appearance on the show had a pretty positive effect on sales. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, we did really well. We 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 are on the show, and all of a sudden, we have thousands of new customers that just flooded in. And I realized that we were going to sell out as soon as we did better. Than, I, we did better than I expected, and we I was like, you know what, we're going to sell out. We're not going to be able to. Um, 
fulfill that fulfill all of our orders immediately and i said well if we can't be you know operationally excellent as it goes in the industry like if we can't get all the orders out immediately and have perfect supply chain then we have to be very on top of our customers we have to be talking to them and interacting with them and build a community with them um and not that those are two mutually exclusive things but you know, we said like, we have to do something. We can't just leave these people to, you know, fend for themselves. And so I sent out an email to all of my customers with my personal cell phone number. And I said, look, you're my customers. You're supporting in me. You're paying me. Why shouldn't you have access to me? You know, it just didn't make sense. And so I said, call me, call me, text me. It's my real number. It's the same one my mom has. And ask me your questions. Don't slam us online. Don't leave horrible reviews. Just call me. And I'm happy to talk to you about it. And that's, um, that's what we've been doing. And it's been very, working very well for us. Um, you no, know, people even, love transparency. People love it. And I think that they really like, you know, they just, and it's really, it's really good. And they, they like it a lot. And they respect it a lot. And it helps build a stronger brand for us and helps build a community of all the people that, you know, that are on board and that, you know, respect us. And so I really like it. I, I really do appreciate it. How do you, when you get the 50 K, what do you use it for? Or what did you use it for? So we, um, we invested a lot in marketing, like market asked for, um, like he had wanted us to do, you know, but we did, uh, we've done, I don't know. We've done a lot of everything. We're just growing ourselves and we're, you know, spending a lot of money to grow ourselves as a company. So it's kind of, I mean, what you're doing is kind of like uh, bootstrapping where the, the, is it like the, the orders that you get, the money that you get from, from pre-ordering or from ordering is really paying to have the product, uh, created, right? Right. Exactly. When Lori dropped out, she said this is just going to be, or she thought this is just going to be one of the many products that you'll develop. Do you have plans for any others right now, or are you focusing on just this one? Look, I don't have anything definitive in the pipeline, but I do agree with her a lot. I think that, um, you know, I've always viewed that this is not something I'm going to necessarily retire on, but it's just the first of many ventures for me. That hopefully, you know, uh, and, and now that I have this community of people around me that I have relationships with, um, you know, with Mark and with all these these four thousand customers or five thousand customers or a few thousand customers, you know, not I don't it's, the number's not four thousand, but it's just whatever it is. Like, you know, you have this relationship with them, and so now because I'm giving them my phone number and because I'm building this community and because I'm kind of building this strong belief, not only in the product but also in myself, I can say like, look, everyone, hi, thank you so much for believing in Brew. I'm starting this new thing. And whether that's four or five years out, I can say, would you support this? Because look what I'm doing. You believed in me from when I was a kid. Like, look what I'm doing now. And I think that it just, I think people are open, would be open to it. And I think people would believe in it. And I, I, you know, I do really appreciate that. Yeah. And what a, I mean, the, the network that you're building now, I mean, the, when you, if you think about calculating the value of that over your lifetime, you know, that's a lot more than $50,000. Right. Exactly. I mean, even I, I said when Mark gave me the deal. I said, like, look, having access to Mark and having a relationship with Mark was so much more valuable to me than, you know, than anything else. I just said, like, I really appreciate him and I really value him. Um, and, and I know Mark Cuban's worth a lot more than $50,000 to us. And so I, I had really, you know, I was very flexible in the amount of equity I was willing to give up. Don't tell him that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if he's listening to this, then, of course, now he knows. Right. But now he knows. Okay. Mm-hmm. He could have gotten, no, not really, but I, so you've got your website, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, and I'm going to have links to all of these on the show notes for this episode. So people can contact you. What's the easiest way for someone to actually get the brew cold brew coffee filter. Best way to buy it is on our website, B R U W.net. 
Um, the best way, you know, that's the best way to do it. Coupon code is save 10 for 10% off. Don't tell your friends. It's a secret, but, um, that's the best way that they can get a hold of one and to get in contact with me. I'm on Instagram, you know, follow us on Instagram also at brew coffee, um, or follow me personally at max B fever. That's M A X B F E B E R and follow me and, you know, DM me and reach out to me personally. And that's the best way to get in touch with me. If you want me to, you know, I, I love speaking, um, and I love doing different, you know, I love doing everything. So please uh, reach out to me and I'm happy to talk. Yep. And like I said, I'll have links to all that on the, on the website for this episode. And uh, Max, I appreciate you coming on. It's an exciting story and I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going to go. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time and I'm, um, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening to this episode. My goal for each show is to introduce you to people and stories that you just won't find on other podcasts. If you want to help support the show, you just need to subscribe, and that way you'll never miss an episode. You can click on any of the subscribe buttons on the website, which is whatwasthatlike.com. You'll see all the links right there at the top where you can subscribe directly to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or on whatever app you use to catch your podcasts. And you'll see there are also links to Twitter and Instagram, so you can follow us there, and I hope you do. And if you really want to connect with me and get in on the discussion with other listeners to this show, you can join our private Facebook group. You can find that at whatwasthatlike.com forward slash Facebook. And of course, you can always email me directly at scott at whatwasthatlike.com or just go to the website and click on contact. I'd love to hear what you think of this episode or a previous episode. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the next show where we'll once again ask the question, what was that like?